0: The snow is falling, the nights come early, and you're listening to Burning Rock Radio. Burning Rock Radio is the ongoing story of Ivy Romeo's search for her friend, Sam. If you're new to the podcast, we suggest that you listen from the beginning. Chapter 16, If Only Centuries Delayed, May 2002. The night we made that stupid orange cake, Sam and I stood around in the background while the others watched Vertigo. We did the very best we could to irritate the living daylights out of our friend group, and I like to think that we were pretty successful. I don't understand why anyone would put this on DVD, I whispered to Sam, loud enough for at least Lana to hear. Let it die with VHS, that's what I say. I glanced at the back of Lana's head as I said this, hoping she would react. Yeah, maybe we should have let it die in the director's brain, Sam shot back. Lana glared back at us over her shoulder. Look, just because you two are uncultured idiots doesn't mean you have to stand back there making fun of the rest of us, she snapped. You're like the kids that sit in the back row at theaters and throw popcorn, Sam crumpled up his napkin and threw it at the back of Lana's head. Great, great, she said and threw her hands up in the air. Poor Lana. She put up with so much. Both Sam and I were self-aware enough to understand that we were the ones with the really bad takes here. Vertigo is objectively a good movie, revered by generations. Making fun of Vertigo is kind of like making fun of Shakespeare after you see his plays live. We did what we did to get a rise out of Lana, and it always worked. Sam and I eventually left the others to their devices and went to sit at the dining room table. I had never really taken the time to look at the table, but tonight, in the low overhead light, the whole thing glowed softly and grabbed my attention. This thing is amazing, I said, running my hand over the 8 or 10 inch pieces of wood that made up the tabletop. Someone had fitted the whole thing together, lovingly sanded the tabletop until every board was exactly the same level, and then stained the whole thing a deep walnut. Did somebody make this? I asked. Yeah, my dad, Sam replied. When I was growing up, our house was kind of the house where everybody hung out, all the kids from sports and everything. Mom and dad would get them dinner sometimes, like pizza or build your own tacos or whatever. Everybody always had to sit on the floor or the porch or whatever, though, because we only had a normal-sized table. So eventually Dad built this. That was pretty cool. I wondered how long it would take to build something like that. I couldn't imagine doing it from scratch. Sam was smiling, and I thought he might be half-lost somewhere in his own head now. When I moved here, Dad told me he was getting rid of the table so he could buy Mom something less rustic. I think he just said that so I would bring it without feeling bad about it, though. I smiled, too. It was a beautiful story. It was nice to think that the four of us, theoretically unmoored from our childhoods and families and hometowns, were actually glued together by a table made by Sam's dad. Sam took another bite of his cake. This is really great, he said. Compliments to your mom. I raised a fork in acknowledgment. Hey, does your mom make waffles? He asked after a moment. That seemed like a random question. I pushed the cake away and reached for the candy dish Crown kept on the table. It was all old guy candy. There was some hard toffees and soft caramels and a section of licorice. Buried all the way at the bottom, though, I found a little pocket of raspberries and blackberries. Small, gum shaped jelly candies rolled in crunchy red or black sprinkles. I ate those things by the fistful my first week here. My mom doesn't, I said, still trying to figure out why he was asking. My sister does, though. She learned how to make them on a summer trip to Arizona. They're these big Belgian waffles with like giant pockets and they're yeasty and cooked in crunchy sugar and topped with every ridiculous thing you can imagine. It's kind of like ice cream for breakfast. They're crazy. I'll make her make them someday. Do you think she would show me how? Sam asked. For a second, I thought he was making some kind of joke, but when I looked over, I found him looking out the window, spoonful of cake still on his plate. You into waffles? I asked. Sam turned back to me. You know what I would do if I had to pick one thing to do for the rest of my life? He asked. No. What would you do? I would run a waffle cart, he said. I would just buy some old junker van to transport it in, and I would outfit it with half a dozen waffle irons. And I would get those industrial-sized clear plastic condiment bins that they have at all the schools. And I would drive around to places that look kind of busy, like beaches, museums, and stadiums right before a baseball game. And I would sell people waffles. I might have chuckled if I thought he was joking in any way, but I didn't. He seemed entirely serious. That sounds cool, I said. Sam laughed. No it doesn't. Come on, I sound like a weirdo. The sudden change of tone threw me off. I don't know, you know what you like, and you know what you want to do, and you have like the plan all visualized and stuff. Sounds awesome. You would be great at that. You already have the food experience at the ice cream place, but if you had your own waffle place, you could run it without anybody telling you what to do. Sam laughed. And everyone knows I don't like it when people tell me what to do, he said. I nodded. Glad you said it so I didn't have to. Seriously, though, everyone I talk to about it look at me like I've grown an extra eyeball. I don't know, I said. I mean, there's nothing easy about the restaurant industry. I don't think people would laugh at you if you came to Seattle. People take food pretty seriously up there. Well, I'll have to check it out. Sam smiled. Yeah, I'll take you there sometime. I blurted out, feeling bold and optimistic for once. To my mom's restaurant. If June is still around, she'll probably make a batch of waffles. It'll be great. Sam leaned back in his chair Looking at me like he was trying to read something from my expression or the way I was sitting or the tone of my voice. After a moment, he asked, Why did you leave? He kept his voice low, and I realized he was doing it so the others wouldn't hear. I appreciated that. Still, I froze at the thought of having to explain this at all to anyone. How was I supposed to clue Sam into the years of fear and distrust wrapped up in that question? This kind of stuff wasn't something that's easy to understand from the outside. It wasn't complicated in theory. June started seeing things at night. Mom and my grandparents sent her away when all she really needed was support. And I had never quite forgiven him for that. That was really all there was to it, but somehow saying it out loud felt big. It would lead to so many other questions. It would become such a tangle of intersecting plot lines in the story that was my life. I couldn't quite bring myself to tell it. So instead, all I said was, uh eh, it was time. Time to get another degree in audiovisual production, Sam said. Hey, that time comes for all of us, I replied with a smile, happy that he didn't seem to be pushing it any further. I went to the studio to record an episode of my show that night. I didn't take any calls, frankly, because I knew that Brad was the only thing people would want to talk about, and I didn't feel up to it. I know. I was probably missing a great opportunity. Sue me. When I finally returned to my room that night, I was wired. I decided I would sit down and write a poem. I hadn't written anything in a while, and I was beginning to feel like if I didn't write something soon, I was just going to stop forever and never pick it up again. Going a long time without writing feels like going a long time without rain. I start to feel like the world is changing, and my childhood is disappearing, and I'm not going to be able to understand even one of the new movie-watching technologies The poem I wrote was mostly about my imaginary world, but some of my real evening snuck in there as well. Some candied lemons turned to caramel in the pot. Caramelization is best reserved for onions or actual caramel, which, come to think of it, is very similar to how you make candied lemons. It's all a matter of time. When I finally close my eyes, it's late, and I'm legitimately tired. I feel like my words are starting to slur, even in my brain, and, of course, when I look across the road in my mind, over to the bench under the tree with its waterfall of weeping willow, I see her sitting there. She's got candied lemons on a plate, and they're pale and perfect in the moonlight. She always outdoes me, which makes sense. That's what she is, after all. All my ambition, alone in the dark on a bench. I slammed my notebook closed and sat there in the lamplight, annoyed at the direction of my life. What was I doing? What was it all for? I was never going to build a wooden table or make an award-winning spaghetti calamari. I couldn't even keep a friend that lasted past the eighth grade. If I'm being honest, sometimes even writing and college and my radio show felt like things that were happening to me things that would fade away without meaning anything. I settled into bed, reminding myself how tired I was. Reminding myself that I should really be sleeping right now so I could get up and go to college in seven hours and not feel like I had been stomped on by a woolly mammoth. But I just wasn't the sleeping kind of tired. Everything from the last 24 hours had me on edge. The branches brushing up against my window were calling telling me that the world was not as it should be and this was no time for sleep. So I picked up my phone and checked my texts. There was nothing. To be honest, I thought I was going to have way more late night texts from my mother and panic texts from my grandpa when he couldn't figure out how to defragment his laptop. I didn't expect anything from June, and of course I wasn't disappointed on that front. I was pretty sure that June was still mad at me for coming here at all. She had asked me to stay, which was kind of a big deal for a family as emotionally unavailable as mine. I picked up the phone and I dialed my sister. I hadn't wanted to leave on bad terms. We were friends when we were kids. We were happy. We used to build sandcastles in our sandbox, scale replicas of the castle from Neverending Story. If we were to make sandcastles now, they would be scale replicas of the city of Gondor. I kinda wished that we could. She picked up on the second ring. Ivy, is that you? Sorry, hold on. I gotta make sure you're actually my sister and not some kind of doppelganger sci-fi cyborg robot. You've lived there for four months and you haven't called me once. Hey, you've got a phone too last time I checked. I said weakly. Well, you have a point there. Her tone was light, but I kinda knew better. What are you up to? I asked. Uh, I'm actually getting ready to head to the restaurant, she said. So, uh, I'm actually gonna have to go. Uh, why did you pick up then? Well, you know, because you call so rarely that I thought it might be an emergency. Yeah, I guess that's fair, I said. I should probably call them more. Look, as nice as it is to actually hear from you, I really don't have time to talk right now, she said, so I'll catch you later, okay? Then she hung up. She literally hung up on me. So that was that. I rolled over and turned off the light, hoping that I could just kind of force myself to fall asleep. The last time I looked at the clock, it was almost 8, and for me, that was pretty late. I dreamed about Charlie and the bench that night. She's sitting on her bench and she has a big plate of chocolate fudge of all things. She smiles at me as I approach and hands me the plate. It's a good plate. It's heavy and thick and it's real. It's not paper or anything. It's an actual plate with nice little squares of white chocolate fudge with cranberries. I take a square and find that it has pistachios in it too. It's amazing. It's beautiful. So far, this is shaping up to be a good dream. Thank you, I say. I think you should probably just thank yourself. This is your dream. She smiles, and I can't help but smile back. The neon light from the ice cream shop next door illuminates everything in a pinkish glow. This place is beautiful. It's exactly where I want to be right now. Nothing can touch me in here. I'm alone away from anyone else and all the people who might make my life harder. Want to go for a walk? I ask. I feel spontaneous and happy, which is a rare combination these days. That little rush of the upcoming summer has finally found its way into my bones, I guess. I want to explore. I want to create my own world and live whatever adventures I feel like living in the moment. Charlie gets up off the bench, groaning as if standing up is painful. I smile and we start down the street. We pass the ice cream shop quickly. Charlie exhales and her breath comes out in a puff of fog. It's funny. Even here, where theoretically I control everything, I can't quite manage to conjure up a summer night. It has to be winter. It has to be dark and cold with thick woolly clouds covering the sky. So, Charlie says, how was your night? The last couple of days have been super weird, I say. I feel like I've been pulled into this, like, freaky little alternate reality where my town is some kind of true crime show. Yeah, she nods, stuffing her hands in her pockets. And are you sure that's what you want? I mean, I would prefer a world without crime, I reply. Well, yeah, I mean, wouldn't we all? But I'm talking about your town. Is it really where you want to be? Do you want to be stuck there forever? Because you're stuck there just like you were stuck in Seattle. This might be even worse. I pause to consider what she's saying. Because deep down, I think I know she's right. This town is sucking me in. It's occupying all of my waking thoughts. College is an afterthought at this point. And maybe that will get better with time, but maybe it won't. I'm not building a future for myself. I'm just gluing myself to yet another unfulfilling present. Still, I don't answer her question outright. Instead, I say, I don't know how I would explain it to everyone if I just gave up. She chuckles. Hey, she says, just make a boat out of leaves. Sail away. When my alarm went off at noon the next day, I lay in bed for a few extra seconds, thinking about my future here, trying to convince myself that it was worth it to get up and go do college. I liked college, I really did, but everything seemed to be falling apart and that made me feel just as stuck as I had felt when I was trying to make it work in Seattle. I reached for my notebook, continuing the poem from last night, filling in the gaps with things from my dream. There she is, sitting on a cast iron bench, drinking right out of the bottle because she always has to outdo me. Because she's the future, I guess. And I'm just here. October 2007 We all sit down to eat my birthday cake. Everyone is there, Lana, Crown, and James from the hospital. The cake's good, probably missing that spark that Sam gave it, but still really good. Still, I feel bad as I eat it. Frustrated, a little afraid. The truth of it is that part of me is still caught in that initial panic of seeing the front door unlocked. I should be over it by now. I should be long past it, enjoying my cake and actually participating in the party. The therapist I talked to a couple years ago says that it's a problem with my emotional elasticity or something like that. I guess I just don't recover quite as fast as I used to. So I do what I always do. I look over at the corner and I picture Sam sitting there in that empty chair. Just the simple act of imagination helps me to feel more calm. I see Charlie too. She looks kind of disappointed and for the millionth time I try to convince myself that I did the right thing staying here. Thank you for listening to Burning Rock Radio. Visit us at www.burningrockradio.com and follow us on Instagram at Burning Rock Radio. As always, we appreciate your ratings and reviews. And Sam, if you're out there, we all miss you and hope to see you soon.